This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. Two quick updates on, uh, on my life. Uh, my wife is one day past her due date. <laughs> Yesterday was the due date uh, and uh, no baby yet. So she is, uh, it's weird. Like, you know, uh, last week we were like, any day now, any day, any day. And now that we hit the due date, it's like, oh, it's going to be November. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why. I mean, it could, could very well be in five minutes as much as a day ago. Anyway. Uh, just wanted to like keep you updated on that. And also, about an hour ago, I got a massive migraine. Uh, so I am going to try to power through like Hillary Clinton did a couple weeks ago. We're trying to power through here and uh, do the best radio I can. So I apologize if, uh, if a little bit of my edge is off today, uh, doing the best we can. Um, we will talk about Trump's latest remarks coming up. We'll talk about what he can do at the debate tomorrow to... Uh, Make up for all this. Listen, it's just, it's just bad. It's bad what he said. It's, you know, <laughs> here's what it does. If you hate him, you'll hate him even more. If you love Trump, you'll justify it some way. Um, if you're on the fence, I don't know. Um, I, if, like, if, I mean, if you're in the middle, undecided, moderate, whatever. I, I think he has an opportunity, actually, tomorrow to come out and and be really contrite and apologetic and humble and all the things that people says he isn't and probably all the things he isn't really um but at least play that part for for a minute and may actually end up working out for the bat like people may be like wow look how humble he was and and you can turn it out he could turn it into a good thing strangely uh i wouldn't be surprised so I'd be on the lookout for that tomorrow. And honestly, if he was smart, he'd come out right in, the, in his opening statements. Don't even wait for Hillary to bring it up. Take it away from her right in the beginning, right? Uh, Donald Trump, your opening statement. Well, uh, who's, who's host? Anderson. Well, Anderson, let me start by saying thank you, everyone, for having me. But also, uh, I want to talk about this video. All right, it's got to be that. Come right out with it. Um, there's one more thing I was going to say about the video. The video, the video. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, I mean, listen. So I... I I am on. I, I want to vote for Trump. Okay, so I, I am inclined to find a way to not excuse what he said because what he said is horrible. 
but to find a reason to still vote for him. And and if you are inclined to do the same, I, I at least what I'm telling myself, it's pretty simple. I'm not voting for a, my pastor. I'm not voting for a saint. I'm not say I'm just voting for someone who can lower taxes. <laughs> and if we can vote for someone who can lower my taxes and, you know, a couple other things that are good for the government, help the VA, fix the VA and these things. And I think he can do those things. If we can do that, and then in four years we can put someone in there who's a better man, right? We could put someone in there who can do those things and be a good person. Ben Carson, for instance, whoever, Ted Cruz, who was I again, I was a delegate for Cruz in California. But right now, it's just we got I gotta get someone to just fix the economy. And he can do that, and then we'll put someone in, in four years. I don't think Trump would run for re election, even if he wins. So that's fine. Okay, like so, so that's that's what I'm telling myself. I wonder if uh, anyone else feels the same. Slider radio on Twitter, Slider radio on Twitter. But that that I'm, like, the comment itself, uh, you can't can't defend it. I think Mike Pence said something sometimes. You can't defend that. No one can. All right. Um does that make sense? I would never say those things. I wouldn't hang around anyone who says those things. I wouldn't go to a church with a pastor who says those things. But you got two choices for president. one 933 right, I want to uh, completely change topics here. Um, I think I want to start off with this because I think it's been really important. Let's do clip uh, 1128, good sir. This is from the VP debate the other day. And, and, and I, I have a great deal of respect for Senator Kane's sincere faith. I truly do. That's shared. But for me, I, I, I would tell you that for me, the sanctity of life um, proceeds out of the belief that that ancient principle that um, where, where God says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And so for my first time in public life, I've sought to stand with great compassion for the sanctity of life. Uh, State of Indiana has also sought to make sure that we expand uh, alternatives in healthcare counseling for women, non-abortion alternatives. We, I'm also very pleased the fact we're well on our way in Indiana to becoming the most pro-adoption state in America. I think if you're going to be pro-life, you should, you should be pro-adoption. But what, what I can't understand is with Hillary Clinton and now Senator Kane at her side is to support a practice like partial birth abortion. I mean, to hold to the view, and I know Senator Kane, you, you hold pro-life views personally, but but the very idea that a child that is almost born into the world could still have their life taken from them is just anathema to me. And I, and I cannot, I can't conscience about about a party that supports that. Or that I know you've historically opposed taxpayer funding of abortion, but Hillary Clinton wants to, wants to repeal the long-standing provision in the law where we said we wouldn't use taxpayer dollars to fund abortion. So for me, my faith informs my life. I try and spend a little time on my knees every day, but, but it all for me begins with cherishing the dignity, the worth, the value of every human life. Okay. That's, I want to talk about abortion here for a minute. That's, a, uh, that's as good as a, of an answer uh, for the pro-life side as you can give in a setting like that, a vice presidential debate. I have two things I want to say about abortion here. Uh, one from Kevin D. Williamson, National Review, and then uh, uh, one from me. Uh, so Tim Kaine is a Catholic. The Catholic Church says abortion is wrong. But Tim Kaine is in a bit of a predicament. 
Because, yes, he's a Catholic, so he belongs to that church, but he also belongs to uh, a different church in the Church of the Democratic Party. So he has to choose which church's doctrines he is going to live by. Now, he went on, and, and he's done this for a long time. He does this contorted dance where he says, I myself am against abortion, personally. But I'm not going to shove my religion and my religious beliefs down everyone else's throats. That is, um, well, to many people, that's a sufficient dance. But uh, it's, it's not, if you think about it for a second. So let me break this down. Let's back it up a second. Did you know that there are scientists who study cuteness? Like, things that are cute. They study cuteness and the concept of cuteness. So there's scientists, scientists and researchers in, in different fields that study cuteness and what makes things cute. So just take a baby, for instance, or a puppy. Why, why is a baby and a puppy cute? Well, they're cute because they have well, a couple of reasons. First, they have tiny baby features of adult features, right? Like tiny noses and tiny feet. Uh, University of Tennessee is playing, I think, right now. Um, or in a little bit here. Uh, and my wife, who grew up in Tennessee, uh, when she holds up our new baby's University of Tennessee onesie, she melts. Uh, my my uh, Her mom... My mother-in-law came in the other day with five pairs of shoes for the baby, like little tiny baby shoes. And I said, why does he need shoes? (laughs) I think we have eight pairs of baby shoes. What are we doing with baby shoes? Right? Oh, they're so cute. Why are they cute? They're tiny. So so that's one reason why babies and puppies are cute. But there's another one. It's also because, well, at least I should say they're more cute when they're helpless or in distress. This is why, and there's been studies on this, this is why when a baby has a bowl of spaghetti turned upside down on, on, on their head, it's cuter than a baby in any other context because the baby's helpless. And you're like, what's that, what's that spaghetti doing on his head? And it's helpless and, and confused, right? And this is why a, a sad puppy is cuter than a puppy ripping your shoes up into a million pieces, right? The point is, there's inherent cuteness in things. And this inherent cuteness in babies brings out our maternal and paternal instincts. Why? It's obvious. We as a species of human beings are better off when adults are instinctively protective of young, tiny, and vulnerable people. This is so deeply ingrained in us. We don't need to be taught it. You're, you're not trained to think that things are cute. You aren't. People aren't trained to want to care for a baby. It's instinct. It's ingrained. It's written in our hearts. You don't have to be trained and raised to love a baby. Just the opposite. You have to be brainwashed to not want to take care of a baby. And that's what the Democratic Party has done over time. And that's what progressivism and feminism and and other people and groups have done to our society. They've so twisted our natural instincts that they've made a majority of people in America believe that killing a baby is compassionate. Or even better yet for them, that a baby isn't even a baby, which I'll get to in a little bit. So that's point number one. 
It doesn't take a church to tell human beings that we should take care of babies. But it's taken a political movement to convince people to kill them. But I want to focus on Cain's religion. Let me quote Kevin Williamson here. He says, the Catholic view, this is so important. This, when I first read this, it just so clicked for me, like never before. The Catholic view is not that a thing is true because the church teaches it. Rather, the church teaches it because it is true. Let me say it again, and let me move away from the Catholic church. Let me just say the church, right? The church's view is not that a thing is true because the church teaches it. Rather, the church teaches it because it is true. It is already true. Let me say it again. A Christian doesn't think that something is true because the Bible says so. We believe the Bible says so because it is true. Now, why does this matter? Well, this is, this is the difference between something being true for Catholics and just true. Because this is what Tim Kaine says. He says, well, listen, yeah, Catholics believe that abortion is, is wrong, but I'm not going to shove my religion down someone else's throat. Well, no, abortion is not wrong for Catholics. It is just wrong. Now, if we play this progressive game, the Tim Kaine game, that abortion is wrong because my church teaches it wrong, uh, teaches that it's wrong, you can very easily say after that, but that's just my church's opinion. And I'm not going to ram it down your throat. The problem is they got it backwards. The truth is, my church teaches that abortion is wrong because it is. It's not wrong because my church says it's wrong. It is wrong. Already. Period. Before the church, it is wrong. The church says it's wrong because it is. Therefore, I will not allow this thing. Because it's wrong. Just like murder and burglary and stealing and other things that we legislate. All the other places where we legislate morality. Does this make sense, the the difference here? Final point, I gotta take a break. We shouldn't believe that the the, the pro-choice lie that being pro-life is a Christian thing. You're not taught in Sunday school that killing babies is wrong. You just know it, and, and every human should naturally re- 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 like reject it. They should recoil at the concept of killing a baby. And if you don't, you need to figure out why you don't. You can be pro-life and Catholic or Jewish or Protestant or Mormon or Muslim, Hindu, pagan, agnostic, atheist, a witch doctor. You can, I don't, it doesn't matter at all. And people of all backgrounds, people of all races think abortion is wrong. Not because their faith teaches it but because they're people. That's the defining characteristic of people who are pro-life. They're people, human beings. Now, if you're pro-choice, I'm not saying you're not a human being. I'm just saying you should figure out why you can't hear what is obviously written on every human's heart. It's not a Christian thing. It's a people thing. one 900 3393. Got one more point to make about it. We'll do it next. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to 
Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Mike Slater! One last point on abortion, and I'm glad it was brought up at the VP debate the other day. I I was thinking that, this is the first time I've thought this, and maybe I'm just playing catch-up to you, that a problem with the abortion debate is that it's so wrapped up in religion. And maybe pro-lifers, like I am, maybe we'd be better off if we didn't make as many faith-based arguments. And the reason I say that is because if you make a faith-based argument to someone who doesn't believe it, right, who doesn't doesn't belong to a religion or who hates religion or whatever— then your argument's very easily dismissed as, oh, that's just your opinion. Don't shove your religion down my throat. It's interesting that religion is, or excuse me, abortion has been turned into a belief, which is weird. Like murder is not a religious belief, right? No one says, well, your, your faith says murder's wrong, but don't you force your religion down my throat. Or your your church says stealing's wrong, but don't force. I don't belong to your church, so it's not wrong for me. Like no, no, like these things are just wrong. You you may say that rape is wrong, but no, like and and no one wraps up murder, stealing, and rape with faith, even though they're all you know biblically based, obviously. But no one's like, oh well, that's your church. No, it's just wrong. So it's weird. Maybe religious people like myself, we think we're elevating the conversation about abortion by bringing in the Bible and stuff. But maybe to some people we're, we're lowering it to the point where they can easily step on it. So I only got two minutes here, but let's not, well, in addition to religious arguments, if you would like to still make those and I will, um, we don't need to only let's make some science-based arguments. Again, my wife is a, a day past her due date. Is that little guy in her womb, not a human? <laughs> of course it is. So, if it's a human, and every single person would say it's a human, everyone. So if it's a human now, which everyone agrees it is, when is it not? At what point is it not a human, right? So it's not a human, not a human, then it is. What's that moment? The random six-month mark or what? Like, the, I don't... No, it's, it's the moment of conception, because at the moment of conception, a new organism exists with its own unique DNA. DNA that is neither the father nor the mother. 
And the embryo has its own circulatory system, its own blood type, its own organs, its own everything. A sperm is a sperm. An egg is an egg. When they come together, it creates something completely new and distinct. Science. It's not my belief. This isn't a belief you can have. It just is. You know, the left criticizes conservatives for not being, you know, for hating science or whatever. There's nothing more flat earth than saying that a baby's not a human life at conception. There's no belief there. It just is. <laughs> so what, what's our, like, that's true. So what's our role as society to help women who are anxious, who are in desperate situations, who are in poverty, who feel like there's no way out, who feel that they may be attacked by their by the father or their parents who are ashamed, who are full of guilt or pain. And the role of a loving society is to serve and love these women and the baby inside, babies inside of them. You know, our governor here in California passed a law that says it's now legal to smash someone's car window if there's a baby inside. So this is the world we live in. Imagine you're in a parking lot and you see a baby inside a car. You smash its window to save its life. And everyone thinks you're amazing and everyone hates that woman for the mom for leaving the baby in the car. But if that mom is going to an abortion clinic at 38 weeks or whatever, (laughs) oh, you're so brave, huh? We need compassion and we got to love and serve these women going through the process. Always. 1-888-900-3393. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. Later, Crusaders. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. I want to go to Joe in uh, Utah to kick off this segment here. What's going on, Joe? Well, I want to tell you, 11 years ago when Donald Trump made those remarks, he was a Democrat, and he was giving money to the Democrats. What a bunch of hypocrites. But what really bothers me about this, this whole thing is taking away from the fact that we recently heard that Hillary wants open borders, Mike, and do you know what open borders means? The world would flood America with people and would go down the drain. Well, we can't afford that. What do you say to all the people? What do you say to all of the people in the party? And, it, and I don't know; these are just reports. But even Jeff Sessions is suggesting uh, that Trump drop out. Well, that's fine. I mean, I don't care. I was a Ted Cruz guy, and I I know that Trump insulted his way to the nomination, and a bunch of angry people are voting for him. And I said, well, I'm going to vote for him and hold my nose because I can't stand Hillary. You're still going to vote for him? No. Are you still? I'm I'm backing off, man. I'm just going to, you know, pray to God and let the chips fall because I can't do that. Wait, so you're, wait, were were you going to vote for Trump before the video or no? I was going to vote for Trump before the video. Oh, but the vote, so the video changed your mind. Well, it was accumulation of things. You know, I didn't sure. like the fact that it was, you know, Lion Ted and little Marco and look at the way Kasich eats and all that disgusting stuff, which was totally false. 
But, you know, when he gave that money uh, 11 years ago, he was a Democrat when he was making those kind of comments. Just sure, but this is your people. this is your final. But this is the final straw for you. You're out. You're off the Trump train. I'm off the Trump train. Wow. Sorry, do you, are you do you, are you mad at me about? No, it? no, it's totally fine. I'm just fascinated because um, I thought I, I'm just analyzing how this, what the fallout of this is going to be, right? So that's what I'm just interested about. I did well, not Mike, think that many people who were going to vote for Trump would be affected by it. I, I I didn't think they would change their vote. I thought there'd be people who were undecided and it might affect their vote, but I didn't think anyone who was already on the Trump train, even reluctantly like you were, would change their vote because of it. So I'm just, I'm just, that was counter to my theory. Well, your call. I'm having a feeling when you, when you mention all the people, all the Republicans who are not going to support him now, there must've been a lot of people like me who, you know, reluctantly wanted to vote for him. And now we said, you know, oh man, no way. I mean, that's it's against my faith, for gosh sakes. I'm yeah. a Mormon. Joe, Joe, I mean, I appreciate the call, Joe. Thanks for uh, for being here, man. All right, well, listen, that changes my uh, my uh, thoughts in the first place here. I don't know. One eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. I really don't know. And listen, I'm, it was funny. Joe's like, does that make me you mad at me? Um, no, I can do whatever you want. I, I, I don't. I don't think it's my job to tell anyone what to do. I'm not. I'm not in that business. So do whatever you want. Um, this whole election, really, we've just been analyzing how things are happening and why things are happening like this, the, the way they are. I um, again, I really don't think. I really didn't think it would change many votes. And and let let me say it like this before we everyone panics, which I'm sure Trump's advisors and everyone is doing. Give it a couple of days. Let it kind of happen. You know? Happened on Friday. It was released on Friday late. Um, so we're just, we're not even 24 hours into it yet. We got a debate tomorrow. And then there'll be post-debate reaction on, on Monday and everything like that. It all really is going to come down to what Trump is going to do at the debate on this point, on this issue. And my advice, and I'm sure he has some people telling him to double down and say, well, Bill Clinton raped people. I don't know. That's not my advice. Um, he had a, he kind of said that in his initial statement, written statement. It was like, well, Bill Clinton has told me way things, uh, things way worse on the golf course, not even close. Like that's as far down that road as I think he can go. The whole Bill Clinton rape people thing that's I'm just taken from the perspective of someone who's undecided or uh, maybe someone even like Joe, right? Like, don't don't go that far. I don't think that's going to win. I don't think there's anything positive that comes from that. The best way for Trump to come back for this is to be super humble and apologetic. And man, I'm sorry I said those things. It was awful. And I got to tell you, people, I've, I've done things that I am I am not proud of. But I am in the process of becoming a better person. Going through this this process, I've, I've been I've met better people. I've surrounded myself with amazing people like Ben Carson and Jeff Sessions and Mike Pence and Rudy and Newton. These guys are great people, and and I'm becoming a better person. Um, and I and I just gotta I promise you I won't do anything like this again. And and honestly, I want your vote because I want to lower taxes. I want to get rid of Obamacare. I want to defeat ISIS. I want to make America safe. 
and that's why I want your vote. And something like that, I think that's, I don't know, if, can you think of something else that maybe would spin this better? Like, how, how do you get yourself out of that? Out of what we're facing right now, what he's facing right now, one eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. I don't, I don't know any other way. Uh, not only does he have to do that, but he has to do it before Hillary can attack him on it. He has to start off with that. He can't wait for Hillary to bring it up. Now, Hillary, Hillary will probably bring it up right away. Um, maybe even Anderson Cooper will bring it up right away. But Trump's got to come out with an apology and put it to bed. Because if he, if Hillary mentions it first, or even if Anderson Cooper mentions it first, and then Trump responds, it seems like he's being forced to respond. And, and that, that takes away a little bit of the credibility. It takes away a little of the authenticity of it. Whether it's authentic or not, when, when you're kind of forced to respond, then uh, it doesn't sound as good. So he's got to come right out with it. We'll see if he does. I think that's the only way out. And if he can, if he can do that, then I think what will happen is, well, people will like that, right? Because he has this whole persona of being evil, horrible, mean, never apologizing, never. And then when he does, it'll be like, oh, wow. Like it'll have all the more meaning to independent voters. Um, and it it flips the script, right? And and it'll make and he can also make the media to seem bad, like the bad people. Like we talked, I was on Dobbs the other day, Lou Dobbs on Fox Business, and we're talking about the media. If Trump can, and he's done this many times before, if the media is against him, and he points that out, he gains in the polls. People like people hate the media so much. That if Trump can play the victim card when it comes to the media and the press, then it's good for him. So if he can maybe even spin this as, you're attacking me for something I did 11 years ago. Look, I apologize. I'm sorry. And you're just still criticizing me for it. That's so unfair. Uh, I think people will be like, yeah, you know what it is, right? They're digging up this dirt from 11 years ago. If I was running for office, then, then they dig up things on me. And that wouldn't be fair either, right? So people can kind of, if he can drag people in that direction, then I think that would be for the best for him as well. So I don't know. We'll see. I just want to just hang out, wait a day or two, see how it's going to go at the debate. Wait till Monday or Tuesday before you make a final decision on on uh, what's going to happen here. one 888 Slater Radio on uh, Twitter. I got a minute here. Can I say one last thing about abortion? One very, very, very last thing. Um. Roe v. Wade. Everyone, Roe v. Roe v. Wade polls well. Right? This is why Hillary and, and Kane, whenever they're asked about abortion, no matter what, they always start with, we will defend Roe v. Wade. Right? Because it has been ingrained in our brains that Roe v. Wade is good. Now, no one knows the rest of that story. Roe in Roe v. Wade, it's a made-up name, Jane Roe. Her real name, Norma McCorvey. Norma McCorvey was married, and she had a kid already. She was 21 years old when she became pregnant again. She went to her doctor, and she asked her doctor to put her in touch with an adoption lawyer. The doctor put her in touch with two feminist lawyers, who she says duped her into going along with a lawsuit against the state. She signed an affidavit. 
right there in the pizza restaurant, the pizza parlor. And from that point forward, she was never invited in a courtroom. She never testified. And she found out the Supreme Court ruling about her case in the newspaper, just like everyone else. She says she was a prop the whole time. A prop who, by the way, never had an abortion. She never had an abortion. Roe in Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court case, which, which says we, you, everyone has a constitutional right to abortion. She never had an abortion. She had the child and, and uh, gave it to adoption. And now she has dedicated her life to overturn the court case made in her name. Isn't that an amazing footnote in the Roe v. Wade story? Roe in Roe v. Wade never had an abortion and is now dedicating her life to overturning it. Most people don't know that. Spread that word. And she said she was duped the entire time. And dare I say, the American people are still being duped about it. one 3393 Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater Crusaders take a couple phone calls here. We'll go to Don in Minnesota to kick it off here. What's going on, Don? Uh, hey, Don. How are you, man? Yeah. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I'm really disappointed with this whole debacle of Trump. But the, I, you know, I started out being a Cruz supporter, and then when Cruz are out of the game, you know, excuse me, I started to support Trump. Because, you know, we were all channeling our anger into what was what the Republican Party had become in terms of supporting business and TPP and all that crap. And now I think my thinking is my thought process is if he wins, I mean, I don't I really if Hillary wins this, we are toast as a country, at least for the next four years. That's my take on this. But if Donald Trump gets into the White House. Uh, and I, he, I saw his tweet, and I sent him a tweet back saying, you know, um, confess to God, and then I'll hope, hope the best and to confess or, or say sorry to your daughters, mm. and then say, you know, I'm not going to do this again ever, because how can you put your children to such shame? And, and my problem is, if he does win, you know, the, the press is going to turn the White House into a whorehouse. They're not going to rest until they crucify this guy, if he does get in. And if Hillary gets in, we're done as a country. That's my problem. I don't know where else to go. <laughs> That's really well said. So you're saying if he wins, then they're just going to rip him to shreds nonstop for, for four years. You, you, better, you better believe it, starting with the Republican Party, because they don't have any low loss between him and them because he's dismantling the party yeah. as it is. So yeah. they don't really like him. Nobody likes him. Even if he's doing good by the people, this is going to dog him for the rest of his presidency. I, 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 I guarantee you that. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know where to go because I really don't. I mean, I really don't want Hillary in the White House. You know, he'll, he'll you will get two for the price of one with Bill in there, and that's the really? problem. Yeah, great, yeah. great point. Yeah, great points around, man. Really good stuff to think about. Thank you. Um, thanks for the call. I I wonder if the calculus is still the same. Um, of if Hillary wins, you have a hundred percent chance that things are going to go poorly. Hundred percent. 
If Trump wins, eh, 50-50. <laughs> right? We'll, call, we'll just call it. Someone will be like, oh, no, it's 80% chance it'll go well. Whatever. 50-50, okay? 50-50 goes well. 50-50, you know, poorly one-sided. Um, maybe your point, that, that same calculus applies to what you were just saying there, bro. Um, 100% chance if Hillary wins is horrible. 50% chance if, Clint, if Trump wins uh, could be great. Or, as you said, the, Trump, the, the press just rips him into shreds nonstop. Turns the place into a warehouse. Uh, just by bringing up old dirt, not forever for four years, bringing up old dirt. I don't know. Um, it's not great either way. I'll give you that, but I still think, I still think maybe I'm, you got to keep Hillary out. I think if Hillary wins, I don't see how a Republican can win the white house for a long, long time. I don't, um, I think you get Trump in and four years later, you put in a good person. Right, someone who is has good policies and is a good person, and Trump can just be a bridge to that to twenty twenty. Josh in uh, Missouri, Josh, you got sixty seconds, sir, but it's all yours. Josh, you there? Oh, I'm sorry, Michael in South Carolina. Hey, Michael, are you there? Yes. Hey, hey, Michael, how are you, man? Hey, what's going on? Sorry, dude, I just cut uh, into your time. You got about 30 seconds. Well, yeah, um, you know, I'm not really political. Uh, I'm going for Trump. I'm disappointed that uh, they actually caught something on tape on him. But I'm still going for Trump. I just, it's, what's going on, it's just, uh, it just exposes uh, the issues that we have. And uh, with the media going against them that hard, just makes me want to go for Trump even more because I see the the issues that we have. And uh, that's pretty much it. I, I'm not really into politics, but I'm into poli- politics this year because mm. of Trump. Awesome. Well, Michael, first of all, thanks for tuning into the show, man. I really appreciate that. This being, like you said, you're one of your first years paying attention. I think it's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Um, and I think you're going to be, I think you're 90, really, truly, I think you're 98 or 99% of Trump voters. I think we'll say what you just said but then a lot of independent people will talk about the media party part of that and and almost trump can play the media pity vote uh and get some extra independence out of it as well i think he'll turn it around for the better crazy you're listening to mike slater part of the next generation of talk radio on the blaze radio network Later in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. You may have seen this video going around social media. It's, it's a clip from a TV show called Brain Games. And they set up a, a little social experiment. Now, some people would say, oh, how do we know they weren't all actors? Um, well, this experiment's done, been done many times before. This show is just the first to do it um, for, for like a, for a pop audience, right? For a TV audience. So here's how it goes down. Imagine a, it happens to be an eye exam waiting room, but a doctor's office, right? A doctor's waiting room. And there's nine people in the waiting room sitting in the chairs, right? Reading magazines or whatever. And there's one open chair. Now, everyone in the room 
is an actor. They're in on it. Uh, in, a, in a study like this, they're called confederates. Right? So they're in on it. And then one woman walks in. Now, she's not in it. She's the one who's actually being studied, actually being watched. And she goes and she sits in that last remaining chair. Now, at this point, a beep goes off. When the beep goes off, everyone, the actors, stand up and then sit back down. A minute later, the beep goes off again. Everyone stands up. And one second later, just sits right back down. Now, this woman has no idea what's going on because all these actors are standing up. So the first time people stand up, she's looking around like, what? The second time, she thinks, am I missing something? The third beep. The third beep. She also stands up along with everyone else. Three beeps is all it took. Now you're driving down the street or doing whatever you're doing on a Saturday afternoon, listening to the show, and you're saying, Slater, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I would never stand up at a beep just because everyone else in the room is doing it. Yes, you would. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't mean that disparagingly. I just, I'm telling, yes, you would. Every, everyone would. <laughs> so the experiment gets better. One at a time, each of the actors, the Confederates, are called in to the, uh, to the doctor. So at this point, the woman is the only person in the waiting room. The beep goes off. She's all alone. What do you think she does? Because in the first time she was doing it basically because everyone else was doing it. And I'll explain this more in a second, but she was doing it because everyone else was doing it. But now she's all alone. The beep goes off. What does she do? She stands up. Then someone else comes in. Now this person is also not an actor. He comes in, sits down, two people in the waiting room. The beep goes off. The woman stands up, (laughs) sits back down. The guy says, what are you doing? Why are you standing up? She literally says, quote, everybody was doing it. So I thought I was supposed to. A minute later, a beep goes off. He stands up with her. Then a third person comes in, not an actor. The beep goes off. Same thing. Stands up after about two, three beeps. And then eventually the whole waiting room is full and everyone's standing every time a beep goes off. And then this woman is called into the doctor's office and people keep standing up every time there's a beep. (laughs) Amazing. Why? Well, here's what this woman said, 1126. When I saw everybody stand up, I felt like I needed to join them. Otherwise, I'm like excluded. Once I decided to go with it, then I felt much more comfortable. Okay, so we can apply this to a million different things. Um, What she just said right there is is it's the greatest force in marketing, right? This is marketing. You have to buy this because everybody else is doing it, right? Um, There's a little part of town here in San Diego called Little Italy, and... You walk around and you're trying to figure out what restaurant you want to go eat at. And there's two restaurants. One um, has more people in it. One has fewer people. Have you ever chosen the, the busier restaurant? Because you're thinking, oh, it must be better. Why? Well, there's more people there. So we do this all the time. Peer pressure. What you're wearing, the words you say, 
It's interesting. If we want to apply this to Trump and Cruz, excuse me, Trump and uh, Billy Bush in that bus, Billy Bush wasn't shocked by what Trump was saying. They were egging each other on. They were playing to each other, trying to see who could be cruder. And I bet if you asked Billy Bush, he'd say, well, Trump was probably the more powerful person in the relationship there, and he was trying to play along, didn't want to be left out. He was laughing, joking, encouraging. It's a powerful force. Pretty much everything you do is influenced by the people around you. Now, let's apply it to, uh, let's apply it to the election. Uh, I believe this is the hidden Trump voter effect, and I still think it applies even after this video when you have the media saying over and over again that Trump is evil and Hillary is amazing (laughs) and it's historic and when you have celebrities endorsing Hillary no one really cares what a celebrity thinks but this all adds to the social pressure to conform without a doubt it's safe to say you're voting for Hillary it's safe. If you're in your office and you say you're voting for Hillary, it's a, that's a safe sentence to say. You won't be publicly ridiculed in most I mean, if you work at a gun range, you might, right? But if you work at most office building or whatever, you're not going to be publicly humiliated if you say I'm voting for Hillary. You'll be labeled as caring and compassionate and, and a good person. It's not safe to say you vote for Trump. Someone called into my show the other day. They have a Trump bumper sticker. They said some lady pulled up alongside of him and flipped him off. I said, are you sure it was the bumper sticker? He's like, yeah, totally. (laughs) It's not safe to support Trump. It is safe to say you support Hillary. Now, here's where the Trump effect comes in. Voting is the last thing in our lives that is truly private. There's nowhere else in this country that's private. Nowhere, nothing you do. Nothing you do online is private. You know on Facebook, what you see on your news feed, it's all based on algorithms. So it's all based on what you've clicked on before, what you've liked before, what you've commented on before. Have you ever noticed that if you like uh, you know, one of your friend's pictures, then the next time you go on Facebook, another one of their pictures is up, right? So it's all based on algorithms, but it's not only what you click on or comment on. Facebook can also tell what you spend the most time looking at. So... Let's say you're scrolling down a page and you come across a friend's picture. You don't have to click on it for Facebook to know that you're looking at that picture. They can tell because you're spending more time on that part of the page and they apply that to the algorithm. So it's not even what you click on. Google knows every website you go to. Google knows every place you go to. There's some place you can go on your phone. I don't exactly, I forget how to do it exactly. Otherwise I tell you right now and there's a map and a map will pop up and Google will outline every place you've ever been. (laughs) And you can, I mean, it it knows, they know. And they can paint a pretty accurate picture of your life for better or worse. Like, oh, this guy uh, goes to church a lot, goes to the uh, homeless shelter a lot, whatever, right? Oh, this guy goes to the strip club a lot. This guy goes to the, uh, what, right? So, I mean, they, can, they, they, they know everything. They know everything. Why does Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, and Jim Comey, the head of the FBI, both have pieces of tape over their webcam and microphone on their computers? 
Think about that. Mark Zuckerberg and Jim Comey both have web, uh, tape over their webcam and microphone jacks on their computers. Nothing you do is private except who you vote for. So all that conformity that has been in this country so far, this election so far, this campaign is what I meant to say, this campaign so far, where it's safe to endorse Hillary. I get people come up to me all the time and say, Slater, who do you th- what do you think about the election or who do you like in the election? And I'll say, uh, I don't know, who do you like? And they'll, they'll lean in. They always do the same thing. They lean in, look around their shoulders, over both shoulders, and they say, I kind of like Trump. Because you can't say it out loud. That's all conformity. That's all the, the same social pressure to conform, just like this lady who would stand up every time a beep went off. Why? Just to feel not like an outcast. But all that conformity and that pressure goes away. When you're in the voting booth, because in that voting booth, you are free. And that is the last place where you are free to do a rebellious act. Because that is the last place on earth that is truly private. And I think you may see that with the video as well. I think you'll see a lot of people do this. um, Oh, unbelievable. So what a pig. Oh, it's the worst person in the world. Uh, and a lot of that is to conform, right? Because you're supposed to think that that was bad. It is bad, right? But you're supposed to think it's bad. So you have to say out loud it's bad. And if you make a public excuse for what he said in any way, uh, even if it's accurate, it doesn't matter. You'll be, you'll be ripped for it. So everyone, these next couple of days, maybe even weeks, we've got 30 days left, Everyone's gonna say, "Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable!" It's all, I can't. I can't vote for him. I can't vote for a man like that. No, I can't. And then they're gonna get in the voting booth and vote for him <laughs> because it's about the election. It's about ISIS. It's about our national security. It's about Obamacare. It's about the Supreme Court. That's how that's gonna go down. I, th- I think the Trump voting hidden voter effect will be even more pronounced after this video. But we'll see. That also does affect, again, our, it, it, it's all affected based on what's going to happen on uh, on the debate tomorrow. I think that's going to have a big role in it. But we'll see. one 900 Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater, show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. generation of talk radio this is mike slater slider crusader let's go to vicky in arizona how are you vicky hey vicky can you hear me yes hey vicky how are you good good how are you good what's on your mind well like i was telling before i'm a shed-in in a small town in arizona but i listen all day long to the blaze and other talk radio so i try to stay on top of things but I'm going to tell you something, that these politicians that are pulling their votes from Trump, they are pulling their own seats out of the Congress and the Senate. Because if the Democrats get in, I'm telling you, there's no hope. And God has used ungodly men before to do his work. Mm. And I think that Trump is one of those guys. And I think that these people 
that keep wanting to say, well, he's no good, he's no this, he's no that. And this was 11 years ago now, this new thing. This is all a game, and it's ridiculous. And we need to just grow up and put our vote where it belongs, and that's in Trump's corner. Yeah, Vicky, I appreciate the call, Vicky. Thanks. For the, thank you. I, I, that's. I think that's going to be ninety, really, truly, ninety-nine percent of, uh, of of Trump supporters and most of people too, probably. Right? Uh, we'll come to that same calculus right there. And, and Trump, he if he can do this properly tomorrow, I, I do. Obviously, he needs to apologize. He needs to be humble and all the rest tomorrow. But if he can play this well and make it another example of the media attacking him. Right. As Vicky said, like these, the media is coming at him like this is a game, like enough with the nonsense. If he can frame this in that way, then I think he can come out of this on top. I really do. Um, let me play this clip here. Do we have clip? Uh, it's 1132. This is from The Daily Show of all places. This was last week. There was this phony outrage of Trump's comments about PTSD. And and when I first heard this, I, I read the story and I read the headlines and everyone's freaking out. And, and then I found the speech where he actually said the comments. And I, I said, what, like, <laughs> so what are they talking about? That's absurd. And actually on my local show, I didn't even cover the story because it was a total waste of time. Uh, but now it's instructive. So check out this clip from The Daily Show of all places. Trump today is stirring another controversy after appearing to suggest that veterans with PTSD are not strong. Ripped in both the media and on Twitter for appearing to suggest that strong people don't suffer PTSD. Even this morning, the Daily News, Ellis, my son was Mm -hmm. not weak. Donald Trump's comments are not just ignorant, they're harmful. I can't believe Donald Trump mocked veterans who suffer with PTSD. And I can't believe that he called them weak. You know why I can't believe it? Because I actually watched what he really said. And for once, he was being decent. When people come back from war and combat and they see things that uh, maybe a lot of the folks in this room have seen many times over and you're strong and you can handle it, but a lot of people can't handle it. And they see horror stories. They see events that you couldn't see in a movie. Nobody would believe it. So we're going to have a very, very robust very, very robust uh, uh, level of performance uh, having to do with mental health. Now, that last part didn't make sense. Robust, robust, level of performance, robust, robust. But the truth is, Trump was actually being compassionate to soldiers with PTSD. And I realized that when it comes to discussing PTSD, there's a stigma involved that we should be careful not to exacerbate with our language. But clearly, Trump was not trying to demean anybody in this particular case. You know, clearly he was having an off day. The point is, <laughs> the point is, this is the formula. The news misreports the story. The pundits then hype the story. And then the campaign exploits the story. And the entire time, there is no story. It's like the M. Night Shyamalan of news. <laughs> there was nothing there. So, so actually, The Daily Show, they actually cut out part of what Trump was saying, too. But I think just for the sake of time. Um, this is how this works. I, I can't express enough how desperate the media is, if for nothing else, to fill time. I, I, I've had, I got to go. I only got a couple minutes here. I want to play one more clip here, but I've experienced it firsthand, just my time in TV news, which is minimal. But it's unbelievable how anxiety-ridden producers of TV shows, TV news, is to fill time. They're desperate. And because they're ADD and everyone's ADD, 
they can't focus on one story for more than six hours. It's sick, and they got to move on to the next and the next and the next and the next. So what's the next fake outrage? Oh, there's no, there's nothing really to be outraged about today. Okay, let's make something up. Let's let's create something out of nothing because they have to fill time. It's wild. Now here's an even worse example. Eleven thirty-three. There was nothing there. One of the most egregious examples this week was when they went in on former New York mayor and not often sympathy getter Rudy Giuliani. The reality is, this man. 26 years ago, had some failures, and then he built an empire. I'd like that working for me for the United States. Don't you think a man who has this kind of economic genius is a lot better for the United States than a a woman? And the only thing she's ever produced uh, is a lot of work for the FBI uh, checking out her emails. All right, stop there. Stop there. So what do you think the media did with that sentence? What do you think they did? How do you think they criticized Rudy for saying that? All right, check it out here, 1134. But even with his jacked-up glasses, I don't think Giuliani could have seen this reaction coming. Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani is stirring up controversy after telling an interviewer that Donald Trump would be better than a woman in the White House. Rudy Giuliani praises Donald Trump as an economic genius, but did he also hit Hillary Clinton with a sexist slam? What is he saying? That a woman can't handle the economy because she's female? Rudy Giuliani uh, talked about how on one of the Sunday shows, how Trump would be better for the United States than a woman. That's the direct quote from Rudy. That's that's not... He said man, then described Trump, then he said woman, then described... Like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you're not being fair to Giuliani. (laughs) You can't cut a sentence and then make him the bad guy for this cut that you created. Yo, thank God cable news doesn't edit real movies. Because can you imagine every single great scene that would be taken out of context? One chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives... Let's go home! <laughs> okay, we stopped there. We stopped there. How funny, right? Like, unbelievable. Now, we've shared this before. Never, ever, ever trust anyone when they stop a sentence in the middle of the other person's sentence. It's just that they're intentionally misleading. And if Trump can frame what happened on the tape on Friday in this whole context of an unfair media, he may come out ahead with it all. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, Slater Crusaders. I'm sorry. I should have pulled this up during the break here, but um, read a quick headline the other day that Tennessee and some Obamacare exchanges there going out of business. Um, sorry, I didn't get the details, but it's happening all over the place. Every week, there's another story like it. Uh, United Health, which is the nation's largest uh, insurer, has dropped out uh, pretty much all of the Obamacare exchanges across the country. They, they said they've lost a billion dollars between last year and this year. A billion dollars they lost. Now, this is exactly what really every conservative said would happen, right? This is not rocket science. I'm like, I'm not even taking, I'm not like, well, this is exactly what I said would happen. Like this is what everyone said would happen, right? You take on more sick people. Um, they're going to make a lot more claims. Healthy people aren't going to join. So no one's going to be paying in and the insurance companies won't be able to pay for it. And the whole system will collapse. And, and this, and I've, I've done this a million times. I just want to make sure everyone's on the same page. Cause I know people tune in and out at different times every week. 
nothing about Obamacare will make sense until you accept this reality. It was meant to collapse. Obamacare was specifically designed to be complicated and to be overwhelmed and to be unsustainable. It was meant to collapse so that it can be replaced with universal health care, with socialized medicine. I remember we talked about a poll a couple months ago. Um, it's found that 30% of people support socialized medicine. 30%, only 30%. 50% of people support universal health care. And 70% support Medicaid for all. Okay, they're all the same thing. <laughs> and, and I made up the ballpark of those numbers here. I, I can find the study here in a second, but it's basically that, right? Like everyone's like, oh, no, I'm against socialized medicine. But oh, yeah, health care for all, that's great. They're the same thing. This is how easily people are misled. It's just the name of it changes people's opinions on it. So the whole point was for it to be too complicated, too expensive, have the insurance companies eventually back out so that Hillary Clinton can ride in on her white horse and say, hey, everyone, all right, here's the deal. That Obamacare thing, we tried, but it just didn't work. It's too expensive, too complicated. So I'll tell you what, it's just free for everyone. Okay, health care is free for everyone. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to pay anything. It's just totally free across the board. Don't worry about it. And everyone will be like, oh, thank goodness. Right? So that was just a stepping stone. That's all it was. Obamacare. So when people say, uh, oh, you know, it's just, it's not working. No, it's working. It's going exactly according to plan. Now, as we go down this road, I can tell you also exactly what this will look like. Uh, We just have to go to England. When I lived in Tennessee, we would often talk about stories in California because California was a couple of years ahead of us on the crazy train. But now that I live in California, I look to England to find out where we're headed. Uh, it's not good. So they have a single payer healthcare system and they have rationing, obviously. And it's being ramped up now. Uh, new policy of the National Health Service. Obese people and smokers are now denied routine surgeries. Now, this is purposefully or excuse me, I should say purely, this is purely a cost-cutting decision. And they're not even hiding it. They're not even coming up with something like, well, uh, you know, the risk of surgeries on obese patients and smokers is higher than on not. Like, no, it's not. This is straight up, we don't have enough money. We can't give knee surgeries and hip surgeries to everyone. So how are we deciding? Well, if you're obese or smoke. You don't get this surgery at all, no matter what. Now you're thinking, well, Slater, obese. Okay. I mean, I've seen my 600 pound life, right? Some people, those people, they have to lose weight before they can even have a surgery that would help them lose more weight. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. These aren't 600 pound people. This is, we only have so much money. We can't pay for everyone's surgery. We have to cut people out, fat people and smokers. You're the first to go. And again, we're just talking about knee and hip surgeries and basic stuff like that. This is from uh, the Daily Telegraph. Um, This decision, described by the Royal College of Surgeons, as the most severe that the modern National Health Service has ever seen. And it led to warnings that other trusts will soon be forced to follow suit and rationing will become the norm if the current funding crisis continues. Uh, Chris Hobson, head of the National Health Service, Uh, which represents acute care, ambulance, and community services, says, I think we are going to see more and more decisions like this. It's the only way providers are going to be able to balance their books. 
And in a way, you have to applaud their honesty. You can see why they're doing this. The service is busting at the seams. Now, what does obese mean? It's based off of body mass index, BMI. BMI is, is simply a factor of your height and weight. This is a wildly inaccurate and incomplete metric. So the standard now is in England, anyone with a BMI, a body mass index over 30, is going to be denied these uh, surgeries. So I am 5'11 and 195 pounds. I've never been in better shape in my entire life. When I was a swimmer, I was 180. Now I do more CrossFit and I'm 195. My body mass index is 28.6. If I gained five pounds, which I could easily do by having a big breakfast and working out a little bit more, right? If I just did, if I did two months of a lot of squat work, then I could gain five pounds, no problem. So if I gained five more pounds, then my body mass index would be 30 and I wouldn't be allowed to get a knee surgery, even though I'm in absolute perfect health. I've never been healthier. But by the government metric, I'm not allowed to get a surgery. Imagine living in a country where you want a knee surgery, where a doctor says you need a knee surgery, where you're willing to pay for a knee surgery. And you've gone along with this whole national health care system because you thought that it meant better access to health care for everyone, including me. But as the years go on, your access becomes more and more limited. And now because you're 5'11 and 200 pounds, you can't get a knee surgery? The government says you're not allowed? The government says you don't have access to this? You've been paying this higher taxes for all these years and you don't have access? You're not allowed. Imagine living in that country. You want a knee surgery. You're, you should get one. Your doctor says you should. You want to pay for it. You've been paying for it with taxes your whole life. And the government says you are not allowed. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, there's an asterisk. I should say you're not allowed unless, of course, you have connections. And this is the greatest of all corruptions. The who you know corruption. When the government gets in the business of you don't have access to things unless you know the right person. That's incredibly dangerous. I talked to a doctor a couple of years ago in Tennessee, and he immigrated here from a former Soviet Union state. And he said in his town, in a city, small town, there were two hospitals. One for everyone, the people, and one for government officials and the elite, people with connections. And I said, well, what do you mean? I mean, you mean there's like a better hospital and a not as good hospital? And he's like, yeah, but it's like, so here in San Diego, there's a ton of hospitals. There's a brand new one about 15 minutes away from where I live. And there's an older one about five minutes. And we are having our baby at the one that's five minutes away. It's not as good. I mean, it's a great hospital, but it's not, a, it's not brand stinking new like this other one. That's not what this is. <laughs> this is, yeah, one's way better than the other. But you're not allowed to go to the way better one unless you're a government official or have a connection. Okay, that is the pinnacle of corruption. And it's amazing the left and, and big government people, they always complain about people not having enough money to pay for certain things and how corrupt that is. But those people's solution is to create a system where, yeah, maybe money's not a factor, 
but who you know is the factor. (laughs) That's way more corrupt because it's way easier to provide care and treatment for someone who can't afford it through charity or whatever than it is to provide access based on are you an important enough person? Because I guarantee you, if there was a high-level official if, if, uh, in, in the government in, in London who had a body mass index of 40, guarantee you that they would get access to knee surgery and you want it. I hope Obamacare comes up tomorrow in the debate. Because what I just explained out of England is absolutely our future if we don't change it. And remember, the collapse of the healthcare system from day one was the plan and it is going perfectly according to it one 933 Slater Radio on Twitter Mike Slater show the blaze radio network spread the word Mike Slater will continue in a moment on the blaze radio network Later. Hey, Slider Crusaders. I don't have time to go into it uh, right now, but we made a Facebook video about this. It's it's not the most recent video, so you got to scroll down a little bit. It's the second most recent video about uh, Donald Trump's tax returns, what he needs to say tomorrow at the debate about them. Um, but also, I think that he leaked his 1995 tax returns to the New York Times last week. I think he leaked them himself. And I explain why I make that argument why uh, in that video. You can search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Uh, one last quick thing about um, Obamacare. And, and this was a local story here in San Diego, but I'm, I guarantee you it's happening uh, across the entire country. Do you remember one of the talking points about Obamacare and support of it was, and this was like talking point number three, right? Number one was it will decrease your premiums by $2,500. Has that happened to anyone in the country? Um, but I think maybe the third or fourth big talking point was if we pass it, then fewer people will go to emergency rooms, right? So we won't have a, such an emergency room backlog like we do now. And, and that's because more people will have insurance, which means they'll go to the doctor more often, um, have more preventative care, and they won't go to the emergency room. Okay, that was one of the arguments. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. And then <laughs> they just go with it. Well, emergency room visits have gone up every year since 2008 at least in San Diego and Imperial counties, Imperial counties right next to San Diego. So last year in San Diego and Imperial County, 20, there were 20% more emergency room patients than in 2011, 20% more last year. There were 104,000 more patients than in 2003. Now there was a local article done outlining some, some really good things that the hospitals are doing to, combat this right and and to work more efficiently and effectively they have nurses treating people in chairs instead of beds right so they can move faster and they have people nurses who are there specifically for psychiatric patients so whatever they're doing some good work to make up uh for this but the point is the whole pitch from obamacare was that demand would go down so this is amazing there's three types of people in equations in this equation and, and stories like this you got people who, group number one, refuse to admit reality at all. 
And those are the people who will say, oh, no, Obamacare has resulted in fewer people going to the emergency room. You're lying, right? Okay, well, a poll was done of doctors across the country. 5% of them think that emergency room visits have gone down. 5%. 0% say that numbers have gone down greatly. Zero. No one. So they all think that it's gone up. So only political hacks will say that Obamacare has fulfilled their emergency room promise. It, of course, has not. That's group number one. It's a small group even here. Group number two is you got people who say that emergency room visits have gone up, yes, but in spite of Obamacare, right? Like Obamacare tried its darndest uh, and it just, gosh, it just didn't work in this regard. But man, they tried. And then you have the third group. This is the group I'm in. And I'll make the argument that emergency room visits went up because of Obamacare. And not only because of it, but this is as what goes according to plan. Now, how could Obamacare cause emergency room visits to go up? Here's why. Obamacare patients are basically on Medicaid plans. Now, most doctors are now refusing to see Medicaid patients because the government doesn't reimburse doctors enough for them to stay in business. I talked to one doctor and they said that they need to see one patient every seven minutes for eight hours a day in order to keep the lights on. So seven minutes per patient. Okay. You can't stay in business like that. And that's because whenever they see a Medicaid patient, the government pays them a fraction of what it actually costs. So doctors are saying, listen, I just can't see Medicaid patients. So, and those are Obamacare patients. So So doctors are saying, I can't see Obamacare patients. So there's fewer doctors than before. So because it's harder for people in this boat to see a doctor, they are now only left with the option of going to the emergency room. So Obamacare has pushed more people into emergency rooms. And not only that, but the rest of us who aren't on Obamacare, I'm assuming you're not, Right. For those who aren't on Obamacare, because of Obamacare, everyone's deductibles have gone up. And because our deductibles are now so high, most people are not going to the doctor as often as they did. So they get sicker and then they go to the emergency room. 90% of doctors say that the severity of illnesses in the emergency rooms have gone up. So Obamacare has affected those on Obamacare and those not on it, but still affected us just the same. Healthcare in America is is worse than ever, not in spite of Obamacare, but specifically because of it. I hope this comes up in conversation at the debate tomorrow. And just know big picture, all of these government programs, very Alinsky-esque, right, are meant to overrun the system so that ultimately their utopian vision can come true where the government just taxes everyone, takes all your money, and then pays for every government program they can imagine and want. That's the ultimate goal. And the left is patient. They'll get there one step at a time. Slater Radio on Twitter. Search for The Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Mike Slater Show. Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.